For the offering tonight, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Yeah, God doesn't want to just leave us there. God doesn't want to just, you know, be a passerby. God wants to be active in our lives. He wants to be actively engaged. He wants to help us. He wants to be an ever-present help in time of need. He wants to be there for us. You know it's us who keep him out most of the time. It's not the devil. It's us because we have full access to him through Jesus Christ. It's not the devil. It's us. He wants to help so much. He wants to help us so much. Do you realize he wants to help you more than you want help? So then what's the holdup? What's the holdup? It's us. God wants to be active. He wants to be active in our lives. He cares more about you, I think, than we care about ourselves. I mean, that's just who he is. He wants to help us in every area, including finances. He talked a whole lot about finances. Anybody besides me need to move into some increase? Yes, sir. Yeah, if you need to move into some increase, raise your hand right now and just say, Lord, Lord I, receive I receive increase, increase in, Jesus' name. in Jesus' name. Let me, let me just show you this. Uh, if they can put up on the screen, Luke 2, 52. Now, Paul said this, Paul said that follow me as I follow Christ, right? So as Paul followed Christ, we were supposed to follow the things that he did, right? Well, one of the things that Christ did, one of the ways that Paul should have followed Christ and therefore we should have followed Christ was this verse right here, Luke 2.52. Notice it says, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Now I want you to see something right here. This is, he kept increasing in wisdom. So he didn't stop growing. He didn't get to an arrival point and be like, oh, I arrived. I know, I know, every, I know more than anybody at my church. He kept increasing in the godly wisdom. The stature is maturity. He kept growing in godly maturity. He didn't stay stagnant. He didn't say sta stay stagnant. He kept increasing. Anybody besides me, I've definitely done this so many times wrong, where I got to a place and I felt like I arrived and I just kind of stagnated for a while. And before you know it, you get stale, right? We need to be believing God for daily bread. I saw uh, one of my good friends, uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., today. He said, believe God for daily bread not, or else you'll become moldy. I was like, amen, I like that, right? The, the world doesn't need a bunch of moldy Christians. We need some people that will continue to increase. We need some people. And Jesus, keep that up on the screen, please. It says, Jesus continued. He kept increasing. That means he did not stop. Now, if we are to follow Christ, are we or are we not supposed to keep increasing? Right? 
And he kept on increasing. Notice he kept increasing in favor, not just with God, but he kept increasing in favor with God and man. Right? In other words, these are four areas that we can believe God for. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I am a child of God. Now listen, this is the Son of God, and he saw that it was important to not get stale and stagnant, but to keep increasing. It's part of what made him Jesus. He's like, he's already standing heads and tails above everybody else. He said, but look, there's more in my Father, and I'm going to keep stepping up. There's more in my Father, I'm going to keep stepping up. Up. He kept increasing. He kept increasing. He kept increasing. We're supposed to put the same thing. Remember the, the parable talks about the talents? He says, look, don't bury basically your potential. Don't bury that stuff. And how much potential do you have? In Christ, we've been given everything. To whom much is given, much is required. You're telling me that you got Christ and all you're going to do is stop at above average uh, according to your average Christian when you can reach up and partake of the divine nature of God himself according to the word? Amen. All right now, we need to keep increasing. But not only that, but increase, what I'm getting at is increase is a way of God. The scripture that we read last night, one chapter over from 2 Corinthians 8 in 2 Corinthians 9, it talks about that you will increase the harvest of your righteousness. It shows that you're supposed to move in abundance. We know from the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament, that's a new covenant. We're in a better covenant now. In the old covenant, it said the blessings will be like this. You will be the lender and not the bar. You will be the lender and not the bar. Now listen, how can you lend if all you have is just enough? How can you lend if all you have is just enough? You can't lend out of just enough. You don't have anything to lend. God desires abundance in your life. I'm talking about finances. He desires abundance. And in 2 Corinthians 9, it says you will have an abundance for every good work. There's a whole bunch of work that's not happening in the kingdom because people have not continued to increase in abundance. There's a whole lot of stuff that hasn't happened because they've not continued to increase. They didn't know. They probably had pastors preach to them that it was not God. But that's not true. It's all over the Word. It's all over. Increase and abundance is all over the Word. All over it. He says this. You've got scriptures that say, Lord, send now prosperity. It is the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. Right? He, he wants you to be the lender and not the bar. And he shows the uh, example, I think it's of Isaac. Isaac goes down, he becomes so powerful in money and resources that the people in the land said, you got to leave, you're too strong for us. you got to leave, you are too strong for us. We can't take you. you. You're just too powerful. That's the blessing of God on his life. That's just the blessing of God. God wants you to be in abundance. Amen? Amen? He wants you to be in that place. Now, guess what? Some of us, when I, I remember when I first started hearing that, I'm like, praise God, I need some abundance, but I am so far away from that. <laughs> it's like way over there, there, there. 
right? So how do you start? Well, last night we talked about it. You start by simply sowing the seed. You, be, you become a tither, 10% of your increase is God's. It's not yours, it's God's. The Bible talks about it. He says the tithe is holy. But once you become a tither, now you have the ability to start stepping into abundance. Abundance is based off of what you sow and what you give. And I'm giving you scriptures. What I'm quoting most out of is 2 Corinthians 9. I told you to turn chapter 8. I'm not sure we're going there or not. But here's, here's the thing. God wants you in abundance. So how do you start? You start by becoming a sower. All right, Lord, I'm, I'm a tither, but now as soon as I tithe, I, be, I step into the area where I can become a sower that abundance can be multiplied back to me. <clears throat> abundance can be multiplied back to me. And how do you... He says he will give seed... To the sower. He says he will give seed to the sower. So how does seed to the sower comes? Well, the first thing is you got to become a sower. One time I, I heard, uh, I think it was Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. said, Well, I'd love to give to your meeting, uh, but I don't have any seed. He said, I think it was him. He said, I wouldn't tell anybody. Because God says he gives seed to the sower. So if you don't have any seed, what does that mean? You're not a sower, right? So what, is, what does that mean? If he gives seed to the sower and I'm out of seed, then one of, the, one of the issues there is that somewhere there's a disconnect from being a sower. And that is right here in our hearts. I think all of us at some point have not been a sower in our heart. But he says that God loves the cheerful and abounding giver in 2 Corinthians 9. If you go there in 2 Corinthians 9, starting around 6 to 8, and then go through 10, it's a great set of scriptures. And he says, that's where he says, I want to increase the harvest of your righteousness, and I want you to have an abundance for every good work. And one of the things that he wants you to understand is if you will get it inside your heart that I will be a cheerful giver and I will be an abounding giver and I'm, Lord, I'm excited to give to you and I'm not under compulsion, right? If you, let me, let me give you this. Here's a symptom. If every time the offering starts, you cringe, that's not a cheerful giver, right? If every time the offering starts, you get a little then that's not cheerful. You don't understand what God's given you. Listen, does, does, God, does God need your money? Absolutely not. All he's got to do is speak a planet into existence made out of pure gold. God's got plenty. God, God's got plenty. God doesn't need our money. What he needs is for us to be a sower because in this earth he set up laws and he wants you to move in abundance and increase. So the giving is not for God and for his sake alone. It's for our sake. It is for our sake. And so when I finally realized that, I'll, you know, some, some of us are slow. It took me a while. But then one day I was blessed with ding. And I woke up to it and all of a sudden I realized he does not need my money. That church does not need my money. I need to be a giver. That's what. 
Because if I will be a giver, now abundance can come. And all of a sudden, I learned how to give, not under pressure, but give out of the cheerfulness of my heart. And it didn't matter the amount. It just mattered if my heart was a cheerful, abounding giver and if I gave in obedience. That, I told you last night about that penny. The penny was the biggest thing, but it was obedience. And I was so happy to give it. You remember how I described that? I reached down into my pocket. <gasps> I found something to give. I didn't know it was there. Glory to God. Why? Because I was wanting to give. I was excited and happy to give. And I'm telling you, that's the day everything changed. Everything changed. So right now, just close your eyes for a second. And just, just say this. Say, Father, I purpose myself to be a tither, to give 10% of my increase. I purpose myself, and I'm intentional to be a cheerful giver, to be an abounding giver, to be a sower. That's who I am. That's my identity. I'm a giver. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm a giver. I'm a sower. In Jesus' name. Amen. So then all of a sudden, you, you get that in your heart. And keep working on that. Grow. Get, get your cheerfulness and your aboundingness in your giving, grow it. Keep increasing in it. And all of a sudden, you'll, you'll be excited to give more than, more than anything else. It, it's a part of our worship to the Lord. Lord, I worship you. I know you don't need this, but it blesses me to be able to give to your kingdom. I know you'll use it, but you could do it a million different ways. Listen, all he's got to do to cover what Boomerang does and I give anybody the right to do this any day. All he's got to do to cover what Boomerang or Spirit and Truth does is he's, all he's got to do is wake up some billionaire and say, and, and say you want to give you know, uh, $20 million to Boomerang or Spirit Amen. and Truth, right? Amen. Say, I receive, brother. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's all he's got to do. Do you know how easy that is for the Lord? Pretty easy. Pretty easy. And that, that's, that's not hard for him. It's not about the numbers. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. You know how much faith it would take us to operate for the next 20 years if we had that? Not a whole lot. How much overcoming would happen? Not a whole lot. Because faith is a victory that overcomes the world. How much overcoming happens in your life if you don't trust him to give? See, we just got to reach out and say, Lord, daily bread. You think about that. Think about the Israelites in the desert when the manna started to fall. They don't even know what it is at first. Can you imagine them the first day? Like Moses says, only take up one quart of this heavenly bread and, and don't pick up any more. They're like, we are in a desert, Moses. I mean, it's not like food is growing on trees. 
It's the very first day is dropped out of heaven. I mean, this don't happen every day, does it? Oh, it does now. It does now. Well, you've got the same promise. Dear Lord, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day, no matter what you need, God's already got it on the way. The question is, are you walking with him? Are you going with his ways or going against his ways? And his ways are to be a giver. I don't have to worry about, look, if the Lord says empty the account, we empty the account. We empty the account. I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you, let me tell you from experience, okay? He's told us multiple times over a short period of time, empty the account, and we've been obedient to that. Never lacked a thing. Never lacked in that period of time. Never lacked. Had it. When When we thought we were about out, all of a sudden, what happens? Daily bread. Daily bread. Oh, I'm coming up to the end. What's, what's happening? Daily bread. Daily bread. The other day, you had a bill come in. A pretty decent sized bill, right? All of a sudden, she said, I know by faith I've got this thing. Guess what happened before she had to pay it? Daily bread. Daily bread. Why? Because our God is not a man that he should lie. Daily bread. Daily bread. You got bills to pay. Got stuff and debt in your business. Daily bread. Daily bread. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I, I've got a right to daily bread. Daily bread. Thank you, Lord. Daily bread. Amen. So this represents our heart. Let's just stand and... Father, right now, we just praise you. If you're watching online, there's a link there. You can click that and you can give and you can be a part of that giving and sowing. And you should. It cost you quite a bit of money for you to see this. (laughs) That video stuff doesn't just fall into place. God really shows us what to do and provides to get it there. And we should give where we're fed. We should give where we're fed. A laborer is worthy of their wages, of their hire. When we give, this is a worship and an offering. And even if you didn't come prepared to give tonight, even if you didn't come prepared, you have an envelope, it costs us something. It doesn't have to be much. But we've already put seed. God says he gives seed in the, in the sower's hands. Here's the thing. If you've purposed your heart right now to be a giver, a cheerful and an abounding giver, if you've purposed in your heart to do that, all of a sudden this 20 cent envelope becomes worth millions because it becomes the first seed in the ground. Imagine one corn seed that goes in the ground, produces thousands. Now you plant thousands of seed and it becomes tens of tens of thousands and millions and billions of seed and corn kernels. One seed can turn everything around. Where's your heart? Cheerful, abounding. Lord, I love you and I've, I've now become a giver and everything has changed. Daily bread. 
thank you, Father, for daily bread. We worship you. What we're saying is, Lord, no matter what we see or what we have, no matter what we see or what we have, I'm trusting you that tomorrow you will provide for me just like you provided today. Because that's who you are. Father, we worship you today with this giving and this offering. We love you and we give cheerfully and with an abounding heart in the name of Jesus. Father, I just, on, in your name, I receive this and we receive this as a ministry advancing the kingdom. And Father, we receive it, not just a reception only, but a reception and like Melchizedek with a blessing. Father, every abounding and cheerful heart of giving that's giving tonight, online or here. In the name of Jesus, may it be blessed. Blessed be that seed of sowing. Let it be multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may bring it forward. Glory to God. praise you and we worship you. Thank you for this. I want you to know something. I want you to know something. This, uh, this week at Kickstart, there was multiple purposes to have this week. Part of it was we wanted to be a blessing to the community. All we have to do is be obedient to God. And we were obedient. We did what He told us to do. There's probably a lot of people that haven't been here yet. Maybe some are still coming. But the ones that are coming, they're being blessed. They're walking out of here with more than they came in with. But we were obedient to do that. But that wasn't the only purpose of this week. I would say an even greater and an even bigger purpose of this week was for us to get something inside of us as a church, to get something on the inside of us that will carry through the rest of this year and the rest of this life. Sometimes, have you ever come up in life and it's like you just keep slamming your head against the wall? Sometimes we got to come up to that wall and just kick it down. There's a wall, I think, that we've had at Boomerang, and it's been just this, all right, Lord, now it's time. We need some breakthrough. We need some breakthrough. And that's what we're here for this week, not only in Boomerang, but also in your lives and in your home. And Lord, we are, we're not going to be uh, okay. Amen. We're not going to be just okay with mediocre Christianity. Lord, we're going to break through. We're going to kickstart this year. 
We're going to set it off right, and it will be the best we've had yet, but it will be the lowest we have ever had. Amen. Going forward, it will be the lowest. We're going to kick it off right in faith. We're going to receive those things. All of a sudden, the things of God are going to become so real to us that it's more real than anything else. We're going to go into work. We're going to start to see, and people are going to say, something's different about you. So you've got something going on. What is it? You say, it's, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. You're carrying something. They won't know. They'll be staring at you. You're like, what are you looking at? Because you're a carrier of something, of the glory of God. This week, you know, one of the things that many of us have not experienced in a long, long time is the power of God. When we will give ourselves to Him night after night for an extended period, a lot of times we come in once a week and all we do is get just a big enough shot to make it back to the next week. But I'm telling you, something happens. There's a momentum that happens when you night after night say, I'm sowing my week into the Lord. I'm sowing my, my nights when I might not want to watch a TV show. I might want to sit down on my couch. No, Lord, I'm sowing my time. Just like we sow finances into Him, we're saying, I'm sowing my time into You because You're worth it. And I know there's something more out there. I know there's something that I need. And Lord, as we sow our time this week, Father, we receive more and more of you. Let there be, just like that song tonight, an overflow. Let there be an overflow in the name of Jesus. Let manifestation come in Jesus' name. Amen. It's going to be a good week, y'all. This is just the beginning. I'm telling you, you watch. You're even If you were here last night, you're going to feel more tonight than even what you did uh, last night. It's going to grow each night. And it might, it might take a pause for a second, and then all of a sudden, boom, shoot on up, right? It's important what we do and how we honor this time. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Father. Amen. So take a little Thank you. Let's turn to Luke chapter 14. This is what I was planning on talking to you about last night. It didn't work. I'm going to read this out of the New Living uh, Translation, Luke chapter 14. In verse 25 through 33. I want to talk to you tonight about a wise plan. A wise plan. A wise plan. Luke chapter 14 and, and verse 25 says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone. He didn't stop there. <laughs> I like it because the New Living pulls this out, but there's some people 
it's obvious by the full counsel of the word that we're called to love people, but it talks about in a, most of the translations, uh, this gives us some context. I like what it says. You must hate everyone by comparison. In other words, uh, compared to the way that you love me, you've got to love me the most. You've got to make that a priority. And it says, if you want to be my disciple, then you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be. Now, it, it's interesting because I've, I've actually heard people say, well, the Bible tells me, you know, talking like their blood brother or father or whatever, I got to hate my father. That's not what that's saying. He's saying, when you compare how much you love me and, and how much you give yourself to your family, there should be no comparison. I should be first. Otherwise, you can't, you can't be my disciple. In other words, have you ever been going after the Lord? Maybe some of you have had this experience. You're going after the Lord. You're hungry for the things of the Lord, and all of a sudden your family comes into the mix. And it's like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. All of a sudden, you're trying to believe in faith. And while you're trying to believe in faith, it's like they're tearing you down. You're like, I just got to the place where I'm trying to grow. And now all of a sudden, you, you are coming and you are disrupting what I'm up to. I'm trying to give myself to God. How many has ever fell victim to that and actually fallen into the trap of you went the family's way instead of God's way? That's exactly what it's talking about. That should never happen. It should never happen. And you want to make sure you're hearing from the Lord. And praise God, we have good pastors in our lives that can help us know, all right, this is God and, you know, this is, this is God, this is not to help us do that, right? But one of the things that he's saying is, look, you've got to understand. Me? Everybody, look, look at your hands. Has everybody in here got flesh and bone? All right, that's good. That, I was hoping... Every single one of us have a corrupted flesh. That means every single one of us have the ability to miss it. And I would throw this in here. We need to make sure that we love God even more than we love ourselves. And that's what it says. Because there's a whole lot of stuff that this flesh likes. It ain't got nothing to do with God. Ain't got nothing to do with him. And we, the, one of the best things we can do is learn how to put ourselves down. And put ourselves in the place that we need to be. Because believe it or not, we are not on the throne. Or at least we shouldn't be. And when the moment that we do get, on, get ourselves on the throne, it's just a matter of minutes generally before we lose. We become the loser. That throne's only meant for one person. And his name is Jesus. And it doesn't matter who tries to knock him off your throne. We've got the responsibility to keep them there. He's saying, he's talking about being his disciple. And, it, you know, he says it again. If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Hate's a strong word. It's a strong thing he's saying. 
He, he's talking about a strong thing. You know, a lot of people, they think Jesus was just all sweet, you know, like sticky sweet. That's, that's not, you know, they think he was just, you know, they don't understand what meekness is. They, do, they have a sense of false humility towards Jesus, and they think he was just, you know, a cowering guy. He was not. He was not. Remember, he's the one who sat over on the side watching what was going on in the temple. <laughs> Fashioning the whip that he was getting ready to use. That was Jesus. Guess what else? This was love. Because he was not outside of love. See, a lot of times, we, today, we, I talked about yesterday, we get so offended... Man, who do you think out of all of us would have been able to hang out and actually end up at the end with the 120 as disciples of Jesus? Truth be told, probably not many of us. As a society, we're spoiled on our comforts. And man, Jesus challenged their comforts. And it was love. And now, I mean, if uh, somebody doesn't say the right thing, I ain't never watching them again. I ain't never going to watch their TV show. I gave them money. Uh, great. If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, sister, sisters, yes, even your own life, even your own flesh. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. These are strong words. Jesus was not, you know, being weak here. This is strong words. He's getting real with them. Here's the real question. Okay, Jesus was getting real with them. How many of them were getting real back? How many of us tonight are getting real right now with it back? Where we're saying, look, I need, I need... Because here's the thing. You remember also what Jesus said. He said, look, if you'll come to me and you'll put my yoke on, he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. All of you who are weary, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, what he's saying right here is leading to easy and light. But if you don't get serious with it, you're not going to get into that. He has a plan and you've had a plan. Are you going to carry on with that plan? Or are you going to humble yourself to his plan? So, yeah, Jesus was getting serious with them, but here's the question. Who was getting serious with what he said? Were they, I mean, we're like, amen. Preach it, Jesus. Everybody needs to hear that, especially my brother. Right? That was funny, y'all. <laughs> you know, every one of us have had that. How many of you have been in a message before? Don't, do not raise your hand. How many, how many of you have been in a message before and the preacher, the preacher says something, they're like, oh, I wish sister so-and-so would hear this. I wish, I wish, you know, 
You better not ever have been thinking that. I wish my husband was listening right now. <laughs> All of us have done that. The moment you think about, I wish somebody else would have been hearing this, you need to stop, open your ears up, and listen for yourself. Because Jesus was getting serious with them, showing a way and a plan, and this is what needed to happen. They needed to decide, am I getting as serious with his plan as what he's getting serious with me preaching it? Am I humbling myself to that? Because look, how many of us, your plan's been working exactly the way? <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Amen. All of us, obviously, there's some holes in our plan. Well, let me tell you who doesn't have any holes in his plan. Jesus. Jesus doesn't have any holes in his plan. So a lot of times what happens is we just go through, we're listening to a message, amen in it, praise God in it. We walk out those doors and it's like, what'd he say? <laughs> I love, I love, hey, did you get something out of the message? Oh, yes, brother, what'd you get? Well, you, uh, you said, um, I liked it when um, that person was singing. I was like, that, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad you were there that day. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> A lot of times we'll amen, but we ain't getting it. We're not listening. You ain't got none of those at your church, do you? <laughs> no, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. A lot of times we're sitting there and we're amening. Yeah, amen. Man, I want you to amen, right? Even if you're not getting it. Hey, that's all right. But I would rather have you amen and actually take something with you. In other words, we're not just, we're not just listening. Amen. Amen. That's southern for so be it. Amen. I'm so sorry. Joy, joy, joy. Yeah. Yeah. People start grunting, you know it's good. That's what Pastor Darrell said. So, you know, we'll read a verse like this and we'll amen it. But are we really letting it change us? Because if change doesn't happen by the word, have we allowed the word to have the effect that it was designed for? All right, now. If we don't have change happening, we should walk in every day expecting to walk out of here different. Amen. Expecting to have dropped a piece of our plan and to have picked up some of his. Oh, I, where are you going today? I'm going to church. Well, what's so good about that? No, 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 you don't understand. The way of Jesus is easy and light, and every single time I go, I pick up more of his lightness, and I drop more of my heaviness. Come on, Everything, every time I go, my steps get lighter and lighter. 
I'm walking more and more in the power and the glory of God. See, this can be a reality, but a lot of times it has to do more with our hearts than it has to do with the message. Because a lot of us, all of y'all, all y'all are sitting in a church that's got good preaching going on. Amen. Amen. Glory. Amen. All right. So, but here's the thing. I know I pass. Amen. That's good. But here's the thing. How many of us, I, I, I had this happen a while back and it's such a great story. I was at a church before we started Boomerang and uh, I was sitting there and I, I was sitting about right there and I was watching and listening and the preacher was up there preaching. And I just wasn't getting a thing out of it. And I'm like, dear Jesus, let, let me tell you my thoughts. And I'm going to be real honest with you and open right here. All right? So I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, I am not getting one thing out of this message. Why, Father, do you have me sitting under this man? I am an anointed man of God with a calling on my life. And you've got me sitting here listening to somebody who ain't bringing nothing. That's the way I felt. That was my heart. Obviously, I needed a heart change. <laughs> but that's where I was at. That's where I was at. And all of a sudden, I was sitting there, and the Holy Ghost kind of got smart with me. I recognized by his tone that I had missed something. <laughs> and he said this. He said, well, <laughs> if you are so holy, basically is what he was saying, the very least you could do while you're sitting here listening to this nothing of a message is pray in the Holy Ghost for other people to get something. He said... He said, I'm going to look at you, so I know you're a preacher. Well, you can take it. Yeah, you've had it too. Amen. Good. All right. Amen. So all of a sudden, he goes, he goes, believe it or not, this service is not all about you. Amen. Amen. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, boy. But I was still, my thinking was messed up. And I, was, I was mad. I was offended. I was, in, I, was, I was offended. I was in pride. Offense leads to pride. I was in pride. And I was like, well, that's a good idea. I'll be, I'll, you know, see, I was, I was offended. You know, I was offended because the Lord wasn't using me the way I thought he should use me. He had a plan. I was in my plan, not in his plan, and it got me messed up. I'm sitting there now complaining about this man of God that the Lord had put me under. I'm, and you have to understand now, I was not receiving not one thing from his message. Not one thing. I'm sitting there listening to it going, this stinks. That was my thoughts. I'm serious. He says, well, at the very least, you can pray for other people. I started praying in the Holy Ghost. I said, okay. And look what he did. This is the wisdom of God. I'm the one wrong. I'm the one who's not humble. I'm the one in pride. I'm the one in offense. I've got a veil up. I cannot see clearly because of me taking offense. I got that veil up. 
I'm the one who can't see. But here's what he said. He said, I want you now, I want you to start praying for other people in the Holy Ghost. What am I doing? I'm I'm getting my focus off. I didn't know. I was just being obedient because I knew I heard his voice. But in that process, I get my eyes off of me. I start serving and giving to other people, right? Well, what does that help do? It helps take down that veil. I started praying, yeah, Lord, because what he said to me made sense. Maybe this service, hey, is it possible that you can go through a service and you hear stuff you've heard before? Yeah. And what, a lot, what I didn't fully understand at that time is even if I've heard the whole message before, I could preach it myself. There is still a spiritual impartation that happens in a message and I can benefit from it whether my mind registers the benefit or not. This is, this is a spiritual thing. And so I was sitting there, and I didn't realize that at that time, but I was, you know, because I was God's gift to, you know, the kingdom. And um, I, I'm, I'm joking. And, uh, but I thought, I thought I was, yeah. And so anyway, he says, start praying. What am I doing? I'm getting my mind off myself, and I'm starting to give myself to other people. And I start praying, Lord, let these hearts be prepared to receive the seed of the word. I knew he was preaching, you know, decent. I just wasn't getting anything out of it. I started praying. The next week, I did the same thing. I started, I, I walked in. I, I walked in the next week. And you know what? I sat in the same place. And, and, but I was feeling a little bit better. Two weeks later, I was feeling a little bit better. It was like the second or third week, all of a sudden, you should have heard the revelation that this man started preaching. I mean, it was like streams of gold glory coming straight from heaven and going into my ears. I'm like, what has happened to my pastor? What in the world? And the Holy Spirit was like, that was you. Yeah. He's preaching the same way the whole time. It was you that couldn't hear it. Because you hadn't humbled yourself. Nothing changed up there. It changed here. It took you a year and a half, and I got it in two weeks. Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) But that's a real thing. People will come in. They'll start hearing messages. They think they've heard it all. And all of a sudden, they start shutting down. He doesn't have anything new to give me. This is it. We've got to start understanding that how we come in in expectation has to do with everything. It has to do with everything on what we receive. And we're called to receive. We should never walk in here and not change. Because every word that's preached, when the Lord has called somebody and He's planted you in a ministry, every word that's preached is designed to bring about a change of your old failing plan and move you into the plan of Jesus in a light and easy way. But it's up to us how quickly and how much we change, depending on how we take it. Are we just going to 
amen it with no esteem? Or are we going to honor that thing and start to say, all right, Lord, I honor where you've placed me. I honor what you've done. I honor what you're bringing tonight. And whether I realize it or not, whether I think I need this message or not, that message needed to be preached. And it might not have been for me. It might have been for somebody else. So glory to God, because I'm not just here to receive myself. I'm here to be a partner in the, in the broadcast to everybody that's here. I want, look, look to your left and to your right. And right now, I want you to see that your faith in this service and your draw is helping that person to receive. Because when you get hungry for the things of God, all of a sudden, if you get in faith, all of a sudden, God has to meet that faith. Right? And so he starts to draw down into that. And see, I can sit here like, like that. There, I'm not pulling anything. But if I will get hungry for the things of God and I start pulling, now all of a sudden and what's happened is one person's faith starting to pull revelation through their pastor. Well, that revelation doesn't just help that person. It helps everybody. See, a lot of times we've been taught to have our eyes on, the, on ourselves and watch the show. No, no, no. You're not a spectator. You are a participant. You are a participant in this. You are not just a spectator. You put a draw. One time, one time we had a service and it was a ladies meeting and uh, there was a guy that stayed there just to help and to serve. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the ladies meeting, you remember this? And all of a sudden, the lady was speaking and like she went off on this rabbit trail, right? And everybody's like, what did that? Right? And all of a sudden, she goes off on that rabbit trail and then she comes back. And just carries on with her notes. And she keeps on going down that. And, and, you know, it was noticeable. It was a good point, but it had nothing really to do with what was going. What had happened was, as that person had honored, they said, I'm going to stay here to serve, but I want to hear the word too. They had been asking God a question for a long time now. When that lady went off on that rabbit trail, she answered it straight from the word. She answered what that was. It was a guy in a ladies' meeting. They, he put a draw by his honor of the service, the honor of the Word, and all of a sudden God reached down. He drew through, and that helped. It benefited everybody. You play a part. You're not just a spectator. You play a part. A wise plan. If you want to be my disciple... You must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brother, sister, and yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What does this mean? This means basically, if you don't put your own flesh in its place, if you don't get your flesh out of the throne and put me in the throne. See, he, he had to decide that I'm going to submit to the way of God. In the garden, he said, not my will be done. In other words, his will was not to go to the cross. His will was, the will of Jesus was not to go to the cross. He didn't want to go. But he said, but your will be done. 
His will was, I'm going to do what you do, what you want, over anything I want. And because of that, he carried his cross. You may want to do all kinds of stuff, but when you submit to the place of God, you start to disciple, to discipline yourself after Jesus, and you become a disciple. You've got to see Jesus in that garden when he said, Not my will be done. He had to hate what he wanted to do in comparison to what the Father wanted to do. Listen, this challenges us because this constantly is going to pull you across your comfort line. Constantly, this is going to pull you across that line. And you're going to be out of your comfort zone. I don't like it here. Your flesh is going to, yeah, I don't like it. He says, hmm, doesn't matter if you don't like it or not. Being uncomfortable is much better than carrying your own yoke. But if we can learn how to be uncomfortable because we're following the ways and the plan of God, all of a sudden what will happen is we'll step into the easy and light of Jesus Christ. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? See, a lot of people, listen, a lot of people, they step into this walk with Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to be a disciple for Christ. But they don't count the cost of I'm going to have to give up my way of living. I'm going to have to give up my way of thinking. I'm going to have to give up. See, and this message tonight, this is a real message. This is like what Jesus is saying here. He was getting real with them. He, it was real deal stuff. He was in the business, right? It's in our business. I'm messing with things you like. <laughs> I'm messing with stuff that you want to hold on to, that your flesh wants to hold on to. I get that. I understand that. It's my job. But when we allow Jesus to get in our business, he'll make our business what it needs to be. All of a sudden, we'll be able to walk, and we will, we'll walk through life easy and light and not hard. But he says, look, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to count the cost of this. In other words, what am I telling you? I'm telling you that this is going to cost you things that you like. It's going to get into the places of your life. And he says, those things that you like, you're going to have to hate them compared to me. It's not that I won't give you things richly to enjoy. It's the fact that if I ask you for it, you've got to be willing to say, hey, it's yours right now. That's a disciple. And we're not supposed to be just believers. We're supposed to be a disciple. One who's disciplined after Christ. In other words, I have put my flesh down and now I'm going after him. And what's the results of that? You've got to understand that the results of that is not, you know, sucky. The results of that is 
easy and light, blessing of God, overflowing conqueror, man and woman of God walking in the glory, shadows healing, exciting stuff. Demons cast out, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Of finances, there's abundance for every good deed. That's the result. That's the result. That's it. It's not the... It's not, oh, I've lost everything that I hold dear to my life. That's what your flesh and what the devil would say to you. But that means that you haven't looked at the rest of the promises and seen all the goodness. Not only that, but we just talked about here on the earth. Then you have these rewards that go for eternity. Think about this. What if I told you, what if I told you that you were going to win a prize and it was going to be $10,000 a year for the rest of your life? That'd be pretty good, right? How would that compare to $10,000 a year for the rest of eternity? How do you equate that? See, these are the things that are laid up for those who give themselves to the Lord. All of a sudden, these things are laid up. It's like, how can you equate that? You're talking about billions, trillions, quadrillions of dollars, and it doesn't stop. It actually just keeps going because it never stops. See, there's awards, and we're not focused on that. We're so focused on what we like here that we've missed the mark of what God has planned for us. It gets in your business here, but man, does it pay dividends in eternity. And the question is, why is it in your business anyway if we've crucified the flesh? This is, this is a real message. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. In other words, it, what is it going to cost you? It may cost you everything. It may cost you your life. But Lord, <laughs> you are worth it. Even if it costs me my life, I believe by your word, I will not even taste death. Amen. My senses won't even be affected. I, I won't taste it. But I'll just move straight from a stinky world into the glory of God. Amen. To be with Christ, which is much better. But he's worth it. He is worth it. He says if you start a building without calculating the cost you, to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might com complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. Has anybody ever done that before? You started something. You didn't finish. Maybe they saw it. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they saw it, maybe they didn't. But the people who saw it, you were like, oh, yeah, that was me. Oh, yeah, that was me. I started that. But I didn't finish it. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. 
And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Can you imagine? Look at this. This, this paints the picture of a king who's sitting there going, man... I just don't like them. They're my enemy. They've been talking trash. And we're going to go kill them. Well, sir, they have 20,000. We have 10. I don't care. We're going to go kill them. They can't talk about me like that. We're going to go kill them. How stupid would that be? Pride goes before the fall. And yet... I don't care what Jesus asked me to do. I will never do that. I will never do that. I, will, I don't care what he says. I know he's my Lord and I go to church, but I'll never forgive her. It's the same thing. I'll never let it go. I'll never forget it. This is... This is dangerous ground. Because what we've done is we've allowed emotions to sit on the throne of our life instead of Jesus. Let's see, praise God, this king had some wise counselors. But see, a lot of times we don't want wise counselors in our life. So you know why? Because we know everything. Because we're blinded. Because of whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. And God's saying, look, I want to help you. I want to help you. But you should have already counted the cost before this, and this shouldn't even be up here. See, when I was doing that, I was already messed up. I, shouldn't, I should have never have been in that position. But I had allowed offense to sit. I had allowed thoughts that weren't worthy of praise to, to grow in my life. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was completely blinded to the blessing of God I had with that pastor. I had a big blessing, and I wasn't receiving a bit of it. I wasn't benefiting at all, and it was me. It was my heart. And so a lot of times this is what happens is we, get our, we let our thoughts and our emotions get to the place. We haven't counted the cost of putting those down, and Jesus is sitting there going, just forgive them. Just let it go. They're not being hurt by your unforgiveness. It's you. My baby, my, my, my love, it's you that's missing. And, and all of a sudden, here we are sitting here and God's willing to bless us. And he can't even get through to us. He can't even get his supply. He can't get his provision because we're so wrapped up in our flesh. Verse 33, so... You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. How's our plan been working to this point? How's your plan and my plan been working to this point? Let's talk about that for just a second as we wrap up. If we're going to count the cost, let me, let me read this. Counting the cost is not just what will this cost me in the future. It's also saying, what will it cost me if I don't follow God's plan? What will it cost me if I don't follow his plan? So in other words, we start looking at the word and God wants us to move in abundance, right? 
He wants us to hear. You know, one time, uh, I've heard uh, Pastor Rodney tell this story. He says, the power of God's moving. You know, not everybody likes, not everybody likes, you know, a move of God. You know why? Because it gets beyond their comfort zone. It gets them out of that. But listen, the Holy Spirit is the helper. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't have the help that we need. He's the helper. If help comes, it's only Him that's doing it. So we need the Holy Spirit, which is why He tells us, in case we were, you know, like missing it, is don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let, Let the Holy Spirit be who He wants to be in your life. That means that we give Him reign. That means if he wants to bring joy, then let him bring joy. If he wants to knock somebody out on the floor and they look goofy doing it, okay, I'm okay with that. We let him do. Well, a lot of people don't like that kind of stuff. Or let's say that he wants to you know, pray in tongues or I'm, I need to carry the fire of God so I, I lift myself up by praying in the Holy Ghost, right? And I build myself up on my most holy faith, right? I have a right to do that. But see, all of a sudden, but people don't like that. Well, I'll go to church, just don't do that. Well, hold up. Because I've got a right to do this. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean... So we've seen people over time that don't like certain things, and so they're like, well, I'm not going. And what's happening? They haven't counted the cost. But also what's happening is, I remember Pastor Rodney saying this one story one time, where... He said he met this guy, he ran into this guy after some years. He said he was over here and uh, he laid hands on him and the power of God laid the man out. And he's sitting down there, I don't know, you know, I don't know what he was doing besides just laying on the floor. He said, Pastor Rodney, he said, I make, I think it was like, um, the man was a billionaire. I think he made $500 million a year. $500 million a year. He said, do you know where I got that plan? He said, I got it laying on the floor in your meeting. He said, while I was laying on the floor, the Lord was dealing with me and he was laying out the blueprint for my business. He was showing me everything to do, how to do it and everything. Now, uh, these years later, here we are, $500 million a year. In a service that some people would say, that's weird. But see, when we submit ourselves to God, the Holy Spirit can do what He wants to do. And all of a sudden we say, all right, Lord, we're okay. Look, look, we're not talking about getting out of order, but we are saying that our idea of order is probably different from the Lord's. You know, when the Lord moved in in the Old Testament, more than once, all of a sudden, all the priests laid out, who's going to minister? Who's grabbing the mic? Don't know. They're all laying down, right? The glory cloud comes in. Is everybody it? We don't know. See, it looks different. I wouldn't do a service like that. My service would have more of my order to it. But God is God. And he can do it however he wants to. Praise God that example's in there because we can look at it and say, oh, that's not how I would do it, but that might be how he wants to do it. He might want to do something that's outside of my thinking. Am I going to submit my flesh or am I going to put that up there? Well, see, here's what I'm, what I'm getting at is a lot of times when we submit our flesh and we count the cost of, hey, I'm going to give myself to the Lord. Now the Lord can give the plan for $500 million business. 
Any of us walking in $500 million businesses? Do you think that that's abnormal to God? No. The Lord is looking for people to show Himself strong on their behalf. He's looking for people that will know Him so that He can do exploits through them. He's looking for you to walk. He said, you will do these works and greater. He said, he said look, I want heaven to be on earth. I want to see, even in the old covenant, the, He talks to Moses without Jesus. The glory comes on Moses, right? And Where's the people lit up like a light bulb in this earth? We've all been walking in the less than mediocre thinking that we're doing something. But if we will count the cost, in other words, what I'm getting at is counting the cost is not just what it takes to get up there. Counting the cost is what does it cost me if I don't do it his way? If I can walk like, like Peter and John when they're at the gate and we tell them, get up, leap on your feet. If I can have the place where the glory is pouring in us and you can have it inside of you and the glory and you walk by somebody in the bank and they go, boom, healed and arms grow out and legs grow out. And all of a sudden this, what are we missing if we don't do it his way? What are we doing if we don't give up and count the cost? What's available in God's normal? I'm telling you, we're not even scratching the surface of God's normal yet, but He's got something planned, and we're going to see it in Jesus' name. We're going to walk in it. We're going to walk in healing. We're going to walk in raising the dead. We're going to walk in translation. We're going to walk in the glory overflowing. We're going to walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ. We're going to walk in an administration suitable to His glory. But it doesn't happen by us not counting the cost. If you don't count the cost, you can't be his disciple. But it's not just costing you. See, a lot of times we don't want to be associated with the church that people laugh at. But what we miss out on is the plan and the glory. And the power of God. And I'm telling you now more than ever, this world needs and is looking for the power of God. It's looking for the anointing that will break every yoke. It's looking for a people that has a real answer. And we've got the answer, but we've got to apply him in our lives. Lord, going after you with all my heart, being all in with you, it's worth everything. It's worth everything. Lukewarm is worse than cold. He wants us hot. He wants us on fire. It doesn't mean we go out of our way to be weird. It just means we're not afraid of it. Yeah. We're not afraid of what the world calls weird because the world's plan ain't working either. Yeah. I want a plan that's generated in heaven that we walk in and we see the fullness of God's glory. I want a plan that's generated in heaven that brings abundance into your hands, that brings life and life overflowing into your hands. I want to walk in that. 